Ministry Mentorship, Episode 26. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia, and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. Before we get started with today's podcast, let me just say that if you have a question, testimony, or a comment about ministry mentorship, you can send an email to admin at ministrymentorship.com. It's always a blessing to hear from our listeners. You can also help us spread the word about ministry mentorship by liking or sharing this interview. Your help is greatly appreciated as we endeavor to connect apostolic leaders with young people. In this episode, we're going to be talking with children's evangelist, Pat Whalage. Sister Whalage has a powerful testimony and a deep love for people. She has traveled across the globe ministering to children and families. I know you're going to be blessed as you hear her passion for ministry. Let's join the conversation now. Well, we're here today with Pat Whalage. She's from Fortville, Indiana, and her and her husband uh, were involved in ministry for several years, and then she's continued on for the last 15 years in children's ministry, evangelizing, traveling, and uh, she overall has been involved in ministry for 25 years, and we're just so thankful to have her. She's a great lady of God. Sister Whalage, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so very much for asking me to do this interview. I'm very honored and very humbled. Now, tell us a little bit of your story. Well, uh, my story, I uh, was raised in Yorktown, Indiana, which is just outside of Muncie, a little country town. I'm the youngest of seven siblings. My family, my grandparents were devout holiness Nazarenes. I was not familiar with Pentecost until after I met my husband in high school, and he's the one that introduced me to the Pentecostal experience. Wow, so so you were not raised in church, or in, in an no, apostolic no. church? No, not at all. Um, I didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was, or that there was a Holy Ghost. Uh, we went to church, you know, Easter and Christmas as a child. And then when I met my husband in high school, he uh, moved to my little hometown in Yorktown in his sophomore year, and he was the big basketball uh, hero. He was the captain, and I was the head cheerleader. And we fell in love, and we married, and began to raise our family, and we had uh, three beautiful children. He was becoming something that he had hated all his life. He was becoming an alcoholic. Mm. And he had been raised in the home of an alcoholic, and I had been raised in the home of an alcoholic. And after 13 years of marriage, he was headed down that same road. I said to him, I love you, but I will not live with you and bring my children up in this kind of atmosphere. I've had to live with this all my life, and I, I'm not going to live this this life with my children. And I basically gave him an ultimatum that it was either him and his booze or me and the kids. He was going to have to uh, make a choice. And God began to work in mysterious ways, and 
uh, in the same year, the very same year, nine months apart, his father, who was an alcoholic, uh, died of a heart attack, and nine months, my father, nine months later, died of a heart attack. And wow. uh, the two things in his life that were really hindering us uh, were removed. Mm-hmm. And his mother was praying, Lord, whatever whatever you have to do, I want my boys saved, because his mother was a, is still, she's still living, she is a faithful woman of God, never wavered from the truth. And um, so I asked him at the death of his father, I said, you need to go with your mother to church and support her in the loss of your dad. And uh, he went to church that night with alcohol in his breath and cigarettes in his pockets. And when he walked back in the door of our home, I looked at him and I said, what has happened to you? And he looked at me and said, what do you mean what's happened to me? And I said, I don't know what happened to you, but you look different. And he said, honey, tonight I was baptized in Jesus' name. And he said, there's not going to be any more drinking, no more alcohol, and God's going to put this family back together again. And he went to the kitchen and threw out his alcohol, threw out his cigarettes, and God totally delivered him from both of those addictions because he was baptized in Jesus' name. And I began to watch him as he went to church, and he would ask me to go, and I said, no, not that church. (laughs) And it wasn't long after that I said, okay, I'll go with you. And it didn't take long. The next service, I uh, repented of my sins and was baptized that night in Jesus' name. And the following week, sitting in the pew, not even knowing what the Holy Ghost was, I raised my hands and sitting right there next to my husband, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Wow. And uh, I've never looked back, never looked back. It was the greatest experience that's ever happened in my life. And the funny part about it, he hadn't received the Holy Ghost yet. And, And I got it before he did. But it wasn't long after that that the Lord miraculously filled him also with the Holy Ghost. And uh, we stayed at the home church there for 10 years and did everything we could to get involved in every activity that church had to offer. If it was cleanup day, we showed up. If it was a picnic, we showed up. If it was car wash or a walkathon, we were there. Throwed our kids into ministry. And uh, stayed there 10 years, and then the Lord called him to minister, and he walked into his job of 24 years and said, I'm terminating my job, and he walked off the job at 42 years old. Wow. And we, we gave up our home, we gave up everything we had to go evangelizing, and we never looked back, and uh, were able to minister the Word for 10 years together, and then whatever reason, the Lord called him home and uh, asked the Lord to him. I pretty much recluse for about a year and just kind of had wished the Lord had taken me too, mm. but he didn't. And uh, so that's when the Lord began to deal with me towards ministry. Wow. And uh, I got a phone call from... Uh, 
London, England, after about a year after my husband had passed, and and I was still grieving, and uh, the pastor there asked me to come to England and minister to the children in a uh, general conference, and so I agreed, and I went over, and we had such great results that when I got home, they called me and wanted to know if I would come back, and it's been six, six weeks. So I had a little helper, and we went back over to England and ministered from London to the top of Scotland and back to London. And uh, in those six weeks, the Lord let me know that it wasn't my husband's ministry and it wasn't my son's ministry, but it was my ministry. And so when I came home, I began to accept invitations to the public ministry. What a great testimony. <laughs> That's exciting. But the- but the puppet ministry, I didn't start the puppet ministry, the Tapia. The puppet ministry was actually started by my son when he was 12 years old. Hmm. He came home from a camp at 12 years old, and he walked in the door and said, I feel like I need to start a puppet ministry. And he had been in a camp with Ann Grant mm-hmm. and the Little Light and Sister Darla Burns. And I said, well, how do we start a puppet ministry? And he said, I don't know, but I feel like I need to start one. And so actually the burden for puppet ministry started with my son, and I assisted him. Hmm. And because I wasn't very good at puppets at the time, um, we developed a character, and that character was Mortimer, and it was a blue fuzzy monster. And he stayed behind the stage, and I stayed in front of the stage. And Mm -hmm. I began to, you know, we would jump back and forth uh, with this puppet. And so the puppet ministry was really started by my son. And then when he grew up and got married, he handed it over to his mother. (laughs) (laughs) It's not supposed to work that way, but... (laughs) But that's how it worked out. It was his burden, and then he transferred that burden over to me. For the last 15 years, I've been able to, uh, uh, been in over 10 countries with the puppets, and uh, been very blessed. Very blessed. Now, you've worked with children's ministry now, and in, in puppet ministry, and traveling for 15 years by yourself, uh, with, with helpers. And I know I've, I've been in a couple services where you've ministered and, and you always do a great job and usually have somebody there helping you, but how do you, how do you stay motivated and what is it that, that keeps you going? What is it, you know, day in and day out when you're traveling on the road and, and, uh, you're, you're, you're tired, you're worn out and what keeps you going in ministry? Well, it's usually the children because, I see such a great need in the children today that one night in the altar in Mississippi, a little seven-year-old girl was in the altar praying. And as she prayed, she said, Jesus, my mommy don't love me. My daddy don't love me. You're the only one that loves me. Please don't give up on me. And every time that I see these children, I think of how many of these children pray that prayer. And mm. I have not had the privilege to have an experience with God as a child. 
And that is one of the regrets in my life, because had I known God as a child, what possibly could have been spared my life, had had I known that I had a God I could call upon. And there's Mm. just such a great need for our children to know God as children, and not wait until the devil has worked them over and destroyed so much of their life. And that's what keeps me motivated, is just the great need for someone to reach their hearts. That's awesome. Well, and we find that even in Jesus' ministry. He, he had a love for children. He had a passion to, to touch them and help them and, and be a blessing in their lives. Oh, yes. He set one on his lap and said, you know, except you become you converted and become a this little child, you can't enter into the kingdom. So, you know, I, I just feel like it's so important that we realize that these children are the churches today, and God wants to raise them up to do greater greater things than any, any you know, some of our preachers today. You know, we've got these children that are coming up that are the Davids and the Daniels and the Sarahs. Amen. And, and God wants to use them mightily, but we've got to reach them. Amen. Now, what would you consider to be the greatest lesson that you've learned in ministry? I guess the greatest lesson I've learned is that people in every country around this world, they respond to kindness, tenderness, they respond to love. Mm. And if we can show them the love of God, it will change their life for eternity. But that's probably the greatest lesson I've learned, that it's no matter where you go in this world, people will respond to a tender touch and love. Talk to that young person right now, that young lady in particular that feels a call to ministry. How does she develop her ministry? Well, brother, of course, I, I know any anyone would say, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a call of God, and then there's just the want-to's. Mm-hmm. And either way, you can't go wrong. But we, in our ministry, seeking seeking to go full-time was a major... I mean, you know, we, we were married and had three children, and, and seeking God to go full-time at the age of 42 was just, like, really unheard of. Mm. But we stayed at home under the authority of our pastor as long as possible. Mm-hmm. So I would say... Stay under the authority of your pastor as long as possible. You know, get involved in every every aspect of ministry that you can get involved in. If they need someone to go to the nursing home or go on visitation or, you know, every aspect, whether it's an usher, whether it's being in the choir, whether it's teaching a class, whether it's giving a Bible study, stay involved in every aspect of ministry. Because when you do get out there on your own, or you are alone, or you are evangelizing, uh, it can be very lonely. Yeah. And you, you know, you you have to be filled up and full to overflowing. And there's going to be times come when it does get rough. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the trying and the testing of between being, I guess, called 
or I just want to. Because when those hard times come, you got to stay strong. And you've got to plug on whether you feel like it or not. So, you know, get everything you can get. Glean from everybody you can glean from. And, and right here, I just want to inject, I am so appreciative of your desire to have these podcasts and for all that you do, Brother Tapia. Well, thank I think you. This is, it's incredible. And I thank you for what you're doing. But as far as a person seeking, you know, ministry, their life, uh, their example, it speaks their walk with God. And each one of us has a mission to hold, and that's right where we're at at the time. Yep. Whether it's at their job or whether it's at uh, college or wherever they are, that's their mission to right there. And eat, breathe, and live the Word. Ingest it. Absorb it. Let your brain be like a sponge and have the Word embedded in your heart. Stay accountable to an authority over you. And God swings open the doors. And then when He does it, you've got to have the courage to step through. But I encourage them to be a leader in their worship services and be a leader in their praise. And, Amen. You know, be an example. Because some Jesus, you know, the only Jesus some people see is what they see in you. Yeah, that's true. And we want, we want them to see his love and his goodness and his mercy shine through us. Well, and I think that's great advice for any young person, not just young ladies, but I do think in particular with our young ladies, sometimes it is difficult to get started for them and staying under yeah. their pastor's leadership and growing and developing and flourishing in the local church. Uh, that's going to that's gonna pay off big dividends. And, and everything you've just mentioned with, with staying under your authority and, and being a worshiper, getting in the Word, I mean, that really applies to, to anybody that wants to be involved in ministry. And I, I thank you for sharing that. I, I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about this transition with your husband. And, and, and I wonder if you could just share a little bit about when he passed. Did your relationship with God change, or was there anything that, that changed uh, in your walk with God in particular? Yes, um, because when, you know, when my husband was here, my husband was my ministry. You know, he was the one that felt the call of God on his life. And so my ministry was ministering to the man of God yeah. and to be a blessing to him. And, you know, my ministry was to raise my children. And so when um, my husband passed, you know, there was such a great change. And I have... I've suffered grief in many elements, but never, you know, each time I lost a loved one or someone that was dear to me, even from a, a you know, a sibling to parents to mm -hmm. a grandchild, a little bit of your heart is torn away. But when I lost my husband, it was as if I was just cut in two. Wow. And I had to learn to function with just half my brain, half, you know, one arm, one leg, mm -hmm. half my heart. And so I had to no longer have him to depend on as my spiritual leader. So this forced me to find even yet a deeper relationship with God. Mm. 
to where, you know, I he's my husband now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's my brother, he's my sister, he's my mother, he's my father. And yes, it definitely deepened my relationship with God um, because I I leaned on my husband mm. to be that spiritual advisor. And then now you're thrown into a position, okay, he's not here. I've got to get in this word and get this for myself. Yeah. And so it did. It did. It uh, developed a greater relationship with the Lord. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how you developed your ministry in, in the sense of when you started launching out. You already had contacts. You already knew people. But what was that first step for you when you started traveling and, and doing more ministry? Well, I, I, as a lady, you, uh, and of course, um, I, I felt uh, intimidated, of course, because of being a lady, and you're thrown in with what basically is, you know, a, a male dominant for ministers. So I, I did suffer a lot of self-intimidation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more self-intimidation than anything that, that I had to overcome. Uh, but it was amazing how that God opened the doors. I, yeah. I didn't have to call anyone. I didn't make phone calls. I didn't, I didn't try to promote myself because I didn't have to. God did it. Mm. And uh, it took a lot of courage for me to realize that they were calling me. They weren't calling my husband or they weren't calling my son. They were calling me. And it was a big step for me to accept that. And I guess um, what spoke volumes to my heart was uh, they were having an appreciation service at the church. And they had all these young ministers lined up across the church. And my helper and I were in the back of the church getting ready to go overseas. And I looked up at all these young ministers, and we were going to have them pray for us before we left for the airport. And as I looked at this wall of young ministers standing up there, I just, in my heart, I said, Lord, why me? Why Hmm. would you send me overseas to do this? I, you know, I feel so inadequate, so incapable. And the moment I spoke those words, it was as if the Lord spoke back to me. Because you're willing. Mm. Yeah. And I said, Lord, I am willing, but I know there is nothing in me. So I daily quote the scripture in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, because I know it has been a God thing. The doors that the Lord has opened has been a God thing. I have never been out of the country as far as overseas until after my husband passed. I didn't really start my ministry, Brother Poppy, until I was 52 years old. Another thing for young ladies, you know, don't get in a big hurry. David was anointed when he was young, but he didn't start his ministry young. And some of these young ladies or young men there, they're anointed. God is going to use them, yeah. but they have to be groomed, and they have to grow. And when the time comes and the door swings open, then that's when God gives you the courage to step through those doors. Amen. 
what is it that a young person could do right now that maybe they're saying, you know, Sister Wailage, I feel like God's leading me in this direction. I feel like I'm, I, I just, I feel like I, if I don't do something, I'm going to explode. What, what could they do right now in their local church, in their ministry? Well, it's, it's like I said, just throw themselves into getting involved in every aspect of, that they can. Um, and they're, Whatever, whatever the Lord's leading them into, mm-hmm. use it at the home church. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we started puppet ministry. My son started puppet ministry in Sunday school. And he took two little old rubber-headed puppets and got a little skit on a CD. And he started developing his ministry at 12 years old in Sunday school. And then as that grew in Pastor, uh, our pastor, which was uh, Reverend Richard Martin uh, out of Muncie, Indiana, he recognized, he recognized the, the desire and the anointing that was on our son. And so that's, and we were evangelizing at the time, and that's when we started picking up children's ministry. Um, because our pastor saw the anointing yeah. in the life of our son, and he's the one that said, this is something you need to incorporate into your evangelizing. There's an anointing on his life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it started right there in Sunday school at the home church. And then as that developed, then the word got out. It was just word of mouth. And that's how we've always operated. It's just been by word of mouth and our telephone ringing and would you come? So it it starts right in the home church. That's great. Well, I wonder in closing, if you could just say a prayer over that young person that that feels a call to ministry right now, and maybe uh, maybe they're in the process of dealing with a situation and they're maybe they don't have direction for their life or whatever it is, and maybe they're, they feel like they're fulfilling God's will, and, and this has really been encouragement to them. And I wish you just, uh, would you mind just praying for them right now? Sure, I would be glad to. Dear precious Lord, we are so grateful and so thankful for your tender love and your great mercy. And Lord, I thank you for each and every one of these vessels that are being groomed for ministry. And God, I pray that they will listen. They will listen for your voice. I pray that the relationship with you is powerful, that they will know when you speak to them. God, whether it's an audible voice or an impression or out of your word, let them listen for your voice and have a relationship with you. Let them be empowered to do greater works through you. Lord, I pray you anoint their hearts to be tender towards you and towards lost souls. Oh, God, I pray that you anoint their hands as they are lifted to worship you. I pray you anoint their voice to speak truth and not to compromise your word. God, give them courage to march into the battle with the sword of the Spirit and wage war against the enemy of our soul that is out to steal, kill, and destroy. Let them claim victory for these souls, Lord, for your glory. And we thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing 
And we thank you, God, for what you're going to do. What you're going to do in the lives of these young ministers. And Lord, I pray right now that you would rain down blessings upon Brother Tapia and upon his family for all that he is doing to develop and mentor ministers. Lord, of this glorious gospel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so very much for your wonderful works to the children of men. In Jesus' name. Amen. If there's someone that would like to get in touch with you, how could they do that? Uh, Brother, I have an email address. It's just uh, pwaylich at aol.com. Wonderful. And we'll post that on our website and make sure people can can have access to that. Well, Sister Wailich, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor to have you. This is this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you, and you have a blessed day too. You've been listening to a ministry mentorship podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com, where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop your ministry. Thanks for listening, and God bless.